What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to the weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on the Church Center app, Instagram, or YouTube, our Facebook page, or our Fathom fam Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. It's so good to see you. Merry Christmas. Hope everybody's uh, having a, a good season. What a beautiful crowd here in the room. I want to welcome all of our Fathom fam that's maybe traveling uh, in this season. We're thankful uh, you're joining us too. Hey, if you are new here, uh, if you're just checking this place out, seeing what we're all about, we'd love for you to, to come back and, and check it out on a, a day that's not uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we don't have service this coming Sunday, just so everybody knows, but the following Sunday, January 2nd, we're kicking off a brand new series called First things first. I know everybody's got their goals and they're trying to trying to get uh, all the things, uh, big plans for the new year. But we want to set first things first, uh, get our spirit right, get our heart in the right place. And, and Jesus says, when we do that, everything else is going to fall in line. And so let's make the first Sunday a, a good start, a good fresh start for us. Join us for first things uh, first. Uh, I'm excited to be with you. Excited to be able to celebrate Christmas together. And uh, I, I saw this. Um, saw this painting uh, a long time ago. It's, it, I say a long time ago, like a few years ago. Like anybody, time is just crazy right now. Like a few years ago, I saw this painting. It's called Mary Consoles uh, Eve. Uh, you throw it up there? Yeah. It's called Mary Consoles Eve. It, it's by a, a, a Trappist nun. She, she uh, painted this. Uh, her name is Sister Grace Remington. And it's this portrait of, of, of really Mary and Eve. And you can kind of see the story of God depicted here. There's like, there's the creation, it's kind of garden-esque. You see the fruit uh, depicted on uh, hanging off of the trees. And then of course, there's the serpent. So you kind of see the the garden. You you, you see the fall of Eve and you see her holding this forbidden fruit in her hand. Uh, We see her covering herself with her her hair there. Uh, And and then we see the story of redemption in this this painting as well, where Mary is uh, stepping on the serpent's head. That's really a picture of what's to come when Christ, uh, the fulfillment of that prophecy, Christ will step on the serpent's head. uh, And that she's pregnant with child, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We we see kind of the story of God in this little picture. There's been a lot of conversation. It gets circulated uh, this time of year. Um, oh, nearly every year. Uh, and just to kind of highlight, kids, I want you to help me out. We got the kids in the room. Uh, you guys are smart, right? And I need your help today. Um, look at Eve. Eve is the one with the kind of the orange reddish hair, uh, one with the long hair that kind of looks like Rapunzel. Uh, what kind of expression is on her face? Well, kids, help me out. Like what's on her face? She looks sad, right? She doesn't. Go ahead and, and throw up our, our, our slide for Eve. Yeah, her head's bent. Her hair is covering um, her body. Her, her, she's kind of sad and ashamed. It's, it's, I, I think we've all had this feeling. Kids, have you ever had this feeling before when you did something you're not supposed to do, right? And you put your head down, you're like, what have I done? I know what I did was wrong. That's kind of depicted in Eve's face here, and she's holding the apple. It's interesting that, that not only is Eve clutching to her sin, but her sin is clutching hold of her as it's wrapped around her ankle, the, the, the serpent. I think let's flip over and let's look at Mary. What kind of expression is on her face, kids? Right? It's, it's kind of a, a little, yeah, a little bit of a smile. Yeah, a little bit of a smile. She's not scolding Eve. Her right hand across her face is not because she's smacking Eve. <laughs> uh, no, she's, it, it's a compassionate touch. I mean, what a gentle touch. I mean, is there any more gentle expression that one could have 
of compassion than to just touch somebody's cheek when it's not being slapped, <laughs> right? She's got her hands, she almost has this knowing look on her face like, yeah, I know. We see this depicted in, in Mary's Magnificat in Luke chapter one as she cries out to God, her savior, that she too needs a saver, savior. Um, and so we see this knowing look. And, and one of the most interesting things about this piece of art is like what's going on with their left hands? You know, like in art, there's like this one thing that kind of sticks out. I can't get my attention off of the left hands of both Eve and Mary in this photo. And I just wonder, is Eve reaching out to Mary's belly uh, like some of us do to random strangers to feel the kick, right? (laughs) Moms in the house are like, please don't do that, right? is, Is Mary reaching out like the woman with the issue of blood, reaching out to touch her Savior? Or, or is it, it, did Mary just knowing, just grab her hands to say, hey, there's hope. There's hope in the Messiah. Well, we're not going to take all of our theology from a piece of art, because <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a number of things in here that might be, you know, troubling, or we might have to talk through a little bit. Kids, just to make it clear, Eve never made, met Mary. They've never met, okay? Just to make it clear, they've never met, um, and, but this is an interesting painting to kind of begin to think about a few things and consider a few things. Uh, first, to consider how we've all felt like Eve before. We've all had that look on our face like, what have I done? Scriptures remind us in Romans 3.23 that every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have taken on guilt and shame. And every single one of us, like Eve, have, have tried to cover our sin um, and I think it also causes us to consider um, not only that, but, but how um, we might reach out to Christ the Messiah, our hope in this season and in every season. It causes us to consider uh, the ways in which Christ is coming to us today. You even notice the, the yellow light breaking through there. And the text we're going to turn to today in John uh, chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, just a, just a short message I, I want to share today. But this passage in John chapter 1, um, I, I think, begins to illuminate what's, not, what's happening here uh, is actually what's not seen. The protagonist in this story of this painting is not the serpent down below. It's not Eve whose expression we draw too closely. It's not in Mary who is, is offering a gentle smile and a caress and compassion to her. No, 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 the protagonist of this painting is what we don't see. It's the Christ child inside of Mary. And as we turn to John chapter 1, it says this, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That yellow light in the background, that's not to draw our attention. The true light is the light that was in Mary's womb. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is eternally existent, and he has chosen to come. Even though uh, that he came, the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, to the Jews, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. I just want to say to you today, if you're here today and you know Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus, rejoice in your identity as a beloved child of God. 
If you are here today and you have never confessed your sin, you have never admitted that you are in need of a Savior, today can be a day in which you can be called a child of God, and that would be the sole identity in which you live by. Verse 13 says, Children uh, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And here's the verse I want us to focus on. The Word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I want to tell you today that the birth of Jesus is good news to all. It's good news to all. Uh, when you think ab- about the, the, uh, the phrase, Merry Christmas Eve, and that's the title of this very short little message today, Merry Christmas Eve. Actually, what I really want to do, I just want to break that down for a second in light of what we just read. Merry Christmas Eve. Hey kids, what does the word merry mean? Anybody know? Happy, yeah. Yeah, my Spanish speakers in the house, Feliz Navidad means happy Christmas. My, my uh, middle son, Cam, has been running around saying happy Christmas. It's a cheerful uh, greeting. It's a cheerful greeting to us. And, and the beauty of what we celebrate in the season is the good news of Jesus. We're not just celebrating you know, Christmas trees and, and Christmas music. We're celebrating the good news of Jesus. That's good news for every single one of us. You see, one of the things that's represented here in this scripture is that Jesus came and he made his dwelling among us. A literal thought would be um, that he came and and tabernacled among us. He came and and made his dwelling among us. John here is pointing back to the people of Israel who for 40 years dwelled in in tabernacles, in portable tents, portable shelters. And Jesus' life on this earth was just like a tent. You just pop it up and he's here for a short time and he returned back to the Father. But he's eternally existing uh, through his body in this earth and through his spirit alive and well. And that is good news for us today. Uh, Our sin has separated us from God, but the hope of Jesus, the, the good news of Jesus, of him coming is happy. It is cheerful news to us. I, I begin to think about the word Christmas. When we look at Mary. Christmas, how many times have you said this over the past couple weeks? I began to think about the word Christmas. Like clearly, I kind of know where the Christ comes from. I I would hope so, I'm a pastor, right? I know where the Christ comes from at Christmas, but what's this moss thing? I kind of grew up in a a migrant town. Um, I I grew up in a migrant town, so we use a lot of Spanglish, so my brain just started thinking like moss Jesus, like moss Christ. (laughs) Is that what's being said when we say Merry Christmas? Like, Like happy more Jesus. And I don't, that's not what it is. I actually begin to, to dig in, kind of understand where did the moss come from? Because Christ means Messiah, means anointed one, the long expected Savior. And moss really comes from a Latin that can have a few different um, variations in meaning, but it means mission or to be sent or to send. It would be used in, in kind of Catholic Mass or, or in Mass as a dismissal and even as a Eucharist calling, the Christmas, the Christmas, where we would come together as the church on this night to gather and break bread, which we will do in just a few moments. So I, I want you to just think about the reality of what that word, that, that 
kind of suffix here, mas, added onto that. And when we say happy, merry, cheerful, Christ being sent on mission, dismissing sin and death. Like, I don't know about for you, but I'm mean, like, I'm just thinking about Merry Christmas a little bit different than what I ever have before. When somebody says it to me, I'm not just thinking, okay, cool, that's nice, appreciate the, the warm greet. I'm thinking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that, that it is good news, it is merry news that, that Jesus took on flesh and he came to this earth on mission. And John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says that that Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but he came to save the world through him. God, God so loved the world that he gave his Son. He took on flesh, and that is good news to all of us today. And I begin to think about that word Eve, even here on on Christmas Eve, Merry Christmas Eve, and that, yeah, it's like the day before. That's what it means, right? The day before Christmas. But it's just just kind of interesting. It's just kind of funny to me that when we go back to that photo of what Eve represents in that picture, she not only represents Eve and Adam in the fall, but she represents all of us. Eve represents every single one of us. Most of the time, actually, it's Adam that's referred to as kind of representing all of us. But in this photo, it's not Adam, it's, it's Eve. And I just begin to think how she is representative of all of us, all of us sinners. Now, there's Merry Christmas Eve. Like, it is good news that Jesus was sent on mission to dismiss sin for Eve, like you and me. Fellas, you've probably never seen yourself as an Eve, but you're an Adam. Ladies, you're an Eve. And without Jesus, our our souls are are destined for hell. But through the hope of Jesus and by being born again in Jesus, we know life. What a joy it is to celebrate the good news of Jesus in this season. I, I pray that you never hear Merry Christmas Eve the same ever again. I I pray in the next few moments um, that we can begin to process more deeply who Jesus is as we break bread together. Um, I think there's communion elements. Uh, Hopefully you grabbed those as you came in. If if you um, did not get those, if you'll just raise your hand because um, we'll have some ushers. If the ushers can help us, uh, they'll walk around. If you just want to raise your hand, if you'd like to participate in communion tonight, um, we're going to do that here at the end of our time together. And then we're going to light our candles, kids. It is going to happen. You're going to get to light your candles. And then we're going we're gonna to sing one last song together. Yeah, great. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to partake here in just a moment. Great. Yeah, just slip your hand up if you didn't get one. Thanks, Lee. So yeah, there's a little wafer you can tear that off. We'll do that here in just a, a few moments. Um, so I want to talk to you for just a few minutes before we break bread together about this little town of Bethlehem. Kids, you ever heard of Bethlehem? Yeah, where, where, what, do we, what do we know about Bethlehem? Who was born there? 
Jesus, okay, cool. You guys, are, you guys are sharp. You guys know. Yeah, we sing about this little town of Bethlehem, and it's kind of this you know, place outside of the main city of Jerusalem, a small town not known for much, but I actually wanted to highlight a few things that Bethlehem is known for, and I pray that it brings a deeper significance to, to believers and non-believers alike to, to the significance of of where our Savior was born. First of all, um, Bethlehem is known as the town of David. The town of David. Uh, t- David is, is the shepherd who became king. Um, the one in which Jesus made uh, something known as the Davidic covenant, the D- Davidic promise that God gave to David that one day uh, there will be a king on his throne and it will be an everlasting throne. That um, that prophecy uh, was fulfilled in Jesus. And so it was known as the town of David, and it was fulfilled that, that the, the Savior, the Messiah, would be born from there. Um, it's not only known as the town of David, but um, there is in the patriarchy of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob married a gal named Rachel, and both Jacob and Rachel were shepherds. She was a shepherdess, and they met kind of out there doing their shepherd thing. And uh, Rachel's name literally means, that's my wife's uh, middle name, and she's like, oh, that's my name. I'm like, yeah, it is. Um, Rachel literally means lamb or you. Uh, And so Rachel was buried here in Bethlehem. And the scriptures tell us that that in um, uh, Genesis chapter 35, verse 19, that she was buried here in Bethlehem at a very specific place, a place called Migdal Eater. I know this is not a word you've probably heard of before, but she was born in this place called Migdal Eater. And this place kind of, it means Tower of the Flocks. Everybody say Tower of the Flocks. So it was a place in which shepherds would gather. And what would happen is when out in the fields, the shepherds uh, would give, uh, you know, would uh, provide uh, an opportunity for for a a sheep to uh, give birth. They would take that baby and they would wrap that baby lamb up in swaddling cloths. And they would bring it to Migdal Eater. This is place known, this tower of the flocks. It's known for its unblemished lambs. And so Bethlehem is not something that the greater society is going to know a whole lot about, but it's something to the Jewish people they knew about because when Passover came, they weren't looking for any kind of lamb. They were looking for a perfect and an unblemished lamb. And so they would take those little baby, unblemished, perfect lambs, and they would wrap those lambs up, and they would put them in a little manger. Not like the mangers you often see, but one like this. One made of stone, not so comfortable, but was great for protection. was great for protecting an unblemished lamb. So at the time of the Passover, they could come, and they could carry that lamb from Bethlehem into Jerusalem, the unblemished lamb. Uh, of course, uh, this is this Passover that I speak of, um, of the Old Testament. We, we see in the New Testament that Jesus is our new Passover. He is our unblemished lamb, our, our perfect sacrifice for our sins. In fact, just 15 verses after we just read a moment ago, John the Baptist arrives on the scene and he says this in verse 29 of John chapter 1. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. It it is Jesus who is born from the town of David, who who is our unblemished Lamb, who's carried into Jerusalem, 
as a sacrifice for our sins. Uh, this, this town of Bethlehem, it's not known for much, but it's known for one more thing, and it's its name. Its name, Bethlehem, literally means house of bread. It literally means house of bread. If you think of Jacksonville, kids, we live in Jacksonville, right? And that literally, that ville means kind of city of, right? So city of Jackson. Or if you think of Pakistan, the place of Paki. <laughs> I don't know. Peggy, Peggy somebody. Um, or, or if you think of Switzerland, the land of the Swiss. And uh, Beth is that. It's, it's the town of, that, or the house of. And Lachem, I can't say it in like a great Hebrew. Like there's like a loogie in your throat when you say Lachem. I can't really do that. I had one earlier. And I'm like, if I could just save that for that moment. But um, kidding. It, it means bread. And so Bethlehem literally means house of bread. The first time this word bread shows up in the scriptures is in Genesis chapter 3. Not when God comes to speak to Eve, but when he comes to speak to Adam. And he says this to him. He says, because of your sin, it used to be easy in that garden. You could just grab and enjoy all the fruit, but you disobeyed. Your sin has separated you from me. And now, by the work of your brow, you will eat bread. And for Adam's whole life and our whole life, we've had to work for everything we've gotten. We've had to work for that bread. And how, how fitting that Jesus, the Son of God, the, the Lamb that comes to take the, sa- the, the sins of the world, that, that he was also the bread of life. The bread of life from the house of bread. <laughs> how about that? And he comes, and and on the night of his betrayal, what does he do? He grabs bread, and he holds it up, and he says, this bread that I hold that we're going to partake in is representative of my body that was poured out for you. And when we celebrate this, we don't celebrate the work of our brow and the sweat of our brow for for bread. We we celebrate uh, the the sweat off of Jesus' brow. The, the, the drops of blood off of his brow that his work gave us, gives us everlasting life. It's, it's not our work. It's not the sweat of our brow and our works by which we are saved. It is by grace in faith, by, by faith in grace that we have been saved. This bread Jesus used, he said, I am the bread of life. And so today, as you take your elements, I want you to stand as you take your elements today. This is an ordinance for the body of Christ to partake in every time we gather. And so we as a church family, we, we do that. It's symbolic and representative of what Christ has done for us. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God or a, a worshiping community, a family in which to grow in your faith. I, I want to offer an invitation today that you can be born again. That that look of shame on Eve's face that's been on every single one of us. It, it's not by the work of your brow of being, being a, a better citizen, of, of being something that's going to uh, please God, but that will be saved. No, no, we're saved by the bread of life. We're saved by the unblemished lamb who died for our sake. And it's of him today we get to take this bread as a symbolic reminder of what Christ has done for us, his body broken for us. You can take the bread.
In a similar fashion, Jesus had the, the cup and he said, this cup is representative of my blood that is poured out for you. He, he is that unblemished lamb. The one that was slain for our sins. Yeah, for your neighbor's sins. Yeah, for my sins. But your sins. Because we're all Eve. We're all Adam. And the good news of Jesus is it's not by our brow, the sweat of our brow, but by the finished work of Jesus that we're saved. You can take the cup today. As we, we close tonight, I, I want us to sing Oh Holy Night together. But before we do, I'd like to, to pray the Our Father uh, prayer that Jesus taught his uh, disciples to pray together. Can you bow your head? And, and I'm, I'm guessing many of you know this. If you don't know it, you can just listen and receive this prayer. Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive our trespasses and, and we forgive our trespassers. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday. And there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you. We're praying for you. And we hope you'll tune in again soon.